we can and, and we will. This is Tall Can Audio. <laughs> Oh, a little news for you as we head into the uh, the long weekend, the first one of the summer, and uh, it's Brendan Shanahan doing the talking as he comes out and explains why he's let go of Kyle Dubas, and uh, when the time eventually comes for him, as it does for everybody, there will come a day where Brendan Shanahan no longer works for the Leafs. It may have been the media that took him down, and they will cite that time that he called a press conference at 3 o'clock on a Friday afternoon before the long weekend as the reason that they came for him. Matt Robinson here with you today on the Talk and Audio podcast. Appreciate you checking this one out as we talk a little bit about everything that's gone on over the last couple days around the Toronto Maple Leafs that has led us to the point where they sit here right now only a few weeks, really, until the draft and uh, until you have to have made your decisions on Austin Matthews, William Nylander, and Mitch Marner. They sit here without a general manager. Uh, give us a follow on social media at Tall Can Audio. I'd love to hear what you guys think about this and uh, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. We'll have a pint because it is the Friday of a long weekend and I am already lakeside. I am at the cottage. I uh, didn't bother to take all the gear out and get set up beside the lake. We're just going to pound this one out quick with a couple of thoughts, uh, but I uh, have arrived there. So it's time for a pint. This is one of my go-to cottage pints. I've talked about this brewery a hundred times before on the podcast. This is the Old Flame Brewing Company out of Port Perry, Ontario. Not too far from where I'm posted up right now, and uh, this is their red. It's a kind of a Vienna lager, actually. Uh, one of my favorites from that brewery. So we'll get into that, and we'll talk a little bit about what the Leafs have done here. It's funny, as we sit here right now on uh, May 19th, 2023, it is almost eight years to the day since Brendan Shanahan hired Mike Babcock. And uh, that was on May 20th of 2015. It wouldn't be too much longer after that before Lou Lamorello was brought in. And that is sort of the, you know, universally accepted point where the Leafs started to turn things around. There would still be a tank season ahead, but respected hockey men, right? Old school guys brought in here by Shanny to start to, uh, to turn things around. And I can remember before that, because he'd already been in charge for a year or two. Remember, he came in and said he was going to take a year to figure things out, and then he had a day not dissimilar to today. We kind of cleaned house. You know, at the same time Dubas went out today, the My- uh, the Marley's coaching staff was also basically cleared right out. So lots of, uh, lots of chopping going on today. But I can remember saying at that point, while everyone was so excited about Brendan Shanahan having been brought in to run things, let's chill just a little bit because... We don't know anything about Brendan Shanahan as a leader. Tim Liewicki was still running, you know, he was president of MLSE at the point, uh, at that point, having replaced Richard Petty, actually having replaced Tom Ansalmi, who replaced Richard Petty. But he'd had some luck bringing in Masai Ujiri, and that was starting to pan out pretty well, and now it was Shanahan. But we had no idea whether Brendan Shanahan was going to be any good at running an organization. He had worked for the league in the Department of Player Safety. He had been uh, instrumental during the uh, the big lockout back in 05 of starting the, uh, whatever they called it, the competition committee on some rule changes, right? Getting some things like that worked out. So he was a respected guy, but there was no way to know at that point whether he would be any good at this. 
And as we sit here now, I'm not certain we know any better whether he's any good at this. He's not bad at this. And we'll get to Dubas here specifically in a second. But he has rebuilt the organization. He did fix relationships with a lot of players who wouldn't be seen at any team events. He's done a nice job honoring, you know, the the former legends of the team. Uh, creating a better organization, helping fill all that out, other departments, right? And, and just kind of getting this team to stop being the joke it had been for so many years beforehand. So he was good at that. But Kyle Dubas is the guy who kind of built this hockey team. And I know some of you are already kind of turning an eyebrow up at me because you know I'm a Kyle Dubas guy. Lou did help, but Lou was better at tearing things down, right? Lou got rid of some things. Lou helped get rid of that albatross that was the Dion Phaneuf contract, right? He did things like that. But he's also the guy who signed the Patrick Marlowe contract and the guy who signed the Nikita Zaitsev contract. And by the time he was fired, you were just sort of like, please, please stop signing people. You're bad at this as you're trying to rebuild. And it took Kyle Dubas a year or two to have to undo those mistakes, which he did. And he took some shit for it. Because it cost assets, right? It cost you a first-round pick to get rid of the last year, that Patrick Marlowe contract. And that was incredibly necessary. Uh, So it's sort of a mixed bag. And we sit here now, I'm not convinced that he and MLSE ownership haven't bungled this Kyle Dubas thing. And as you look forward at who they might replace Dubas with, there's some reason for concern. His three major hires have been Dubas and Lou and Babcock. Two out of those three he had had major history with, right? Knew them quite well, was very comfortable with, and that's where he turned. And they didn't end very well. I just sort of gave some examples on things that Lou Lamorello was starting to do wrong as you were trying to turn the corner with this younger team. And for all the media types that jump up and down screaming about how Lou would have got Marner and Nylander and Matthew signed for cheaper you can sort of look at some of the baffling contracts he's handed out on Long Island, and I already referenced Zaitsev and and Marlowe here and a couple others that didn't go very well. And by the end of it, it was supposedly sort of well agreed upon that Lou would step aside and, you know, Dubas would ascend to the GM's job after studying under him for three years or so. And when it came time to do that, Lou didn't want to do it anymore. And it's fine. He can leave and go run another organization But he wasn't all that loyal to Shani like Shani had been loyal to him. And then you look at Mike Babcock, and we all know how that ended, right? With the Marner stuff and the players just at that point refusing basically to play for him any longer. Uh, They didn't want any part of that. So it makes you a little concerned about his judgment and who might be the next guy to fill this role. We don't know whether Brendan Shanahan is any good at this. And I'm not sure why he gets the benefit of the doubt so easily while everyone else is being held responsible right now. I'm not screaming to fire the guy. I'm just saying he hasn't completely earned my trust yet. And I'm sure I'm sure that's keeping him up at night. Got to get Matt to believe in me just a little bit more. Uh, anyway, today's press conference, one of the most odd things I've ever seen around this organization. I thought it was fascinating early on. And if you haven't seen the presser, it's on YouTube. It'll be on the Leafs YouTube channel and all that. So it'll be all over the place here for a bit. But I thought the way he took us through the timeline was fascinating. And that he told Kyle, which we all knew back last summer, 
we're not giving you an extension yet. We're not sure yet about you. And uh, we're going to play this out. And Kyle says, all right, that's fine. And he actually addressed that at the beginning of the season when he had his you know season opening presser and said, I'm fine with that. I'd like to actually be judged on my body of work this year. And uh, we'll go from there. So the team has a very good regular season. And Shani himself says, I was very impressed with the trade deadline we had. And that's when he decided to approach Dubas and say, okay, let's start working on this. I've seen enough. You know, after the trade deadline, a GM is sort of done tinkering. Uh, turns out there would be a lot of cap juggling still to do based on some goaltending issues and things like that. But in terms of addressing the needs of the team, your job is done after the deadline. You just kind of have to sit back and watch. So Shani tells Dubas, I've seen enough. Let's talk. And Dubas says, yeah, talk to my agent. And it, I don't know, it depends how you want to read into that, right? It comes off as kind of, don't bug me with this. I've got a job to do still. But at the same time, this is why people have agents to work out the really uncomfortable stuff and not have it become a thing between you personally. So fair enough. And Shani comes back to him before the playoffs and says, I think we're getting close here. Um, then after they win a round, he tells him again, like, I think we're ready to, to get this done. And he says in this press conference today that even if they had won round two, he was going to push again in between those two rounds and say, we need to get this done because we need to know the future as we get closer and closer to the draft and free agency and all that stuff. And he feels like, according to Shani, that Kyle's on the same page there. They talk on Friday night when the Leafs are eliminated and Shanahan tells him again, hey, I know this is a difficult night, but we got to get after this. I guess they give each other a little space on Saturday before meeting on Sunday. And that's when Dubas first tells Shani about, I'm having a little, you know, some personal issues here. This was very hard on my family. But Shani says he walked away from that meeting, um, still feeling like this would get done. Pretty noteworthy that Shani said today in his press conference that when Kyle had his press conference on Monday, Shanahan went out of his way here to point out, I didn't think he'd tell the world about the issues he was having. Like maybe that had stuck in his craw a little bit. And Shani says after that presser on Monday that Dubas had is when he first started to think, okay, maybe this isn't going to be our guy, right? Maybe this won't be the way that I, maybe this won't go the way that I thought it was going to go. And maybe he won't be back. So I guess it comes to a head on Thursday. Shan the way Shani tells it, um, Dubas's agent comes back and says to Shani, this is the deal that we want. And uh, it's higher in number than what Shanahan had proposed. And Shani paints that as, you know, I, it, he, he didn't come right out and say it. He tried to stay respectful, but he's saying that, that Dubas reneged on the deal at the last possible second and is now changing it. And then Dubas emails Shanahan around dinner time on Thursday and says, I still want to be the GM, which is what Shanahan's doubts had been, that maybe he didn't want to do it anymore. And Shanahan said he slept on it, got up in the morning and told Kyle, nah, fuck it, you're out. And it's strange because I don't get the sense, having listened to all this, that Dubas ever agreed to Shanahan's numbers and, and contractual you know, proposals that you know, the, all the times that Shanahan kept coming back to him after dealing with the agent back in March were to say, here's where we're at, let's get it signed. Here's where we're at, let's get it signed. Here's where we're at, let's get it signed. And Dubas pretty clearly was like, no, not yet. Like, 
I'm not agreeing to anything at this point and wanting to get through the playoffs and all that. And then on Thursday, came back with his number. And instead of negotiating, Shanahan was just like, ah, fuck that. And it's interesting to consider here that one of the things that was rumored to be important to Kyle Dubas was a little more autonomy. And I said on the show a week or so ago with Rob that one of the issues that might come up here, and it appears it did, although Shani didn't really want to um, expand on it, was that Dubas would want to be running the show. Right now, he runs everything through Shanahan, and Shanahan deals with ownership. Every GM, whoever's at the top of the pyramid, is going to have to deal with ownership. There's no way around that. They own the team. They have the right to be informed on big decisions like that. But there's a middleman that Dubas has to deal with instead of being the top of the pyramid. And if he had gone to Pittsburgh, or if he had gone to Calgary, or Ottawa, or whatever's being rumored, and he still might... Like, take a couple months here, cool your head, figure out what's best for you and your family. He will be the top of the pyramid there when he negotiates. He'll just tell them, if you want me, I'm the top guy. That was going to be problematic in Toronto, A, because you have Shanahan, and Shanny's not going to negotiate someone to, you know, negotiate his only, like, if you elevate Kyle to not having to report to Shanny, what is Shanny's job? Right, like there's no reason for that redundancy, and it's a six million dollar redundancy by all reporting. And the other thing was going to be the PR battle. How do you sell to Toronto fans and Toronto media that we're not just bringing Kyle Dubas back? And I do think you could sell that. We're not just bringing him back as our GM. We're actually promoting him. That's a tough sell when the story right now is that they haven't won and they haven't accomplished anything. And that's a fair criticism. And so it was going to be a really tough sell to promote Kyle. And it, by all accounts, he was interested in that promotion. I don't want to have this middleman ahead of me between me and ownership that I have to report to. And I don't blame Kyle for asking for it. But it was always going to complicate things quite a bit. And it sort of sounds, I don't know, it sort of sounds like Shanahan got impatient this week and decided... Yeah, no, we're moving on to something else. And when you actually zoom all the way out back to last summer, where the Leafs say to Kyle, we're not quite sure yet, we'll get back to you, and then take almost a year to do so, which they have the right to do, but left Kyle pretty uncomfortable. He endured that. Did everything right by all accounts. You know, most people were pretty happy with his trade deadline. He did everything he could, despite being a lame duck, to set the organization up for success. And to the organization's credit... It appears there were no strings on him either at the deadline. A lot of the time when you are a lame duck, they don't let you make the moves you want to do. He made a ton of moves. He traded away some players and some draft capital. It sounds like they let him do his thing. But they did leave him sitting there as a lame duck for a long time, for almost a year, by just telling me, yeah, we're not sure yet about you. And when we got to the point now where it was time to get down to business, Kyle was the one who was able to turn around and go, yeah, I'm not sure yet, whether it be for my family or the financial package or the autonomy that I'd like to have. I'm not sure yet. And he made them wait a couple of days and it sort of looks like Shanahan went, well, fuck you then. So it's interesting how that plays out. And a lot of people are saying online that Dubas overplayed his hand and maybe he did. Maybe he did. With his demands, with the timing, with the way he was making them wait. But I would also argue Regardless of whether you think Kyle Dubas was a successful general manager for the Toronto Maple Leafs or not, MLSE also 
watched this hard. And I said this on Twitter earlier today at Talk and Audio. Give us a follow there. Let us know what you think about all this. When I said that MLSE strung him along for a year without a contract, decided they wanted him back. Shanahan admitted that today. For a couple months, he's been trying to get this signed, including as recently as Monday. He was trying to get this signed. So they wanted him back. It's now been left in Kyle's hands for him to go, yeah, maybe let's work on this. I got some family considerations to work through. I got my own kind of requests on my new contract. They allowed this to waste another week and you don't have many weeks left. I think we're six or seven at most away from the draft now or from free agency when those Marner and Matthews no movement clauses kick in. So you wasted a week that you don't have to give and then lost them. And now you have to go through the process of going to find someone else. That's not going to happen in a matter of days, I wouldn't think, unless you're just going to straight up promote Brandon Pridham, which isn't a terrible idea. But they did say in the presser today, Shani did, that I prefer an experienced candidate this time. So it doesn't sound like that'll be Pridham. So there's going to be more days ticking off the clock while you go find someone else. You then drop them into this situation and say, okay, We need change, and you've got like a month to do it. That is putting yourself in a bad, bad spot. It's not the end of the world. There are experienced people still there doing their jobs. But when it comes time to actually sitting down and negotiating with the agents of these players who are comfortable with Dubas and don't know this guy, and this new guy also isn't going to know what some of the actual issues were around the organization and in the locker room when he enters into these negotiations, it's a bad spot. So it sort of feels like there's some blame to go around, but the, the organization could have nipped this in the bud a year ago by just giving him like a two, three year extension. And then if it doesn't work, you just fire him anyway. And I know everybody's been talking about them being gun shy about giving those sorts of contracts out now, because of Mike Babcock, but the this is why you have to do it. You can't be left sitting in this situation with the entire organization in flux. From the general manager to the players to the coach, all the way to the radio crew has tweeted they don't know if they're coming back. This is, everything is up in the air right now. So they're in a bad spot here. And I think it was worth a shot by Kyle to kind of flex here and say, this is what it's going to take to keep me. And I kind of think Shani, likely with some meddling from the ownership, as there always is, felt a little threatened by that, felt a little unhappy about it. And they went from, we want you back on Monday to, we're not convinced you're our guy. Like, Like I said, They demanded him to be all in immediately when they were far from all in on him for the last year until they decided. And they were like, now, 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 now. Well, sometimes it doesn't work out. As I put out that tweet saying that MLSE had botched this, I, of course, had people in my reply saying, we didn't win anything. Well, that's not really the point here. Regardless of what you think of Dubis, and it wouldn't have been unreasonable to fire him. This isn't a crazy end result. He didn't get the job done. There's some things that Kyle Dubas did very well. 
He wasn't perfect. And there's some bad luck involved there. We've talked about it. I don't really like putting it out here too often because it sounds like excuse making. But the pandemic and all of that stuff that froze the cap just after they signed those Marner and Matthews contracts changed everything. Um, That's legit as well. Okay. But if you decided we're not happy with your work, we want him fired. And then you fired him. I wouldn't have agreed with it, but it wouldn't be unwarranted. It's a results-based business. So fair enough. But that's not what happened here. To sit there and say they were right to get to this point completely ignores the fact that they've been trying to lock him up now for weeks. And like I said, as recently as Monday. And then four days later, you're firing him? Essentially firing him? I know it's a contract thing. They're just not extending him. That's not the same as not agreeing with his plan. You wanted him back. You were trying to get that done. And then you got yourself a little emotional and you got yourself a little upset the way he talked in the media on Monday and the way he made you wait for a couple of days and you fired him. Don't go to bed angry, right? Don't make your decisions angry. Well, I think Shani just made his decision while he was angry. So if you're one of those people who's been chirping at me in my Twitter mentions today about how he deserved to be fired, that's a reasonable opinion. But that's not what we're talking about today. This is continued evidence that MLSE is sort of rudderless right now and doesn't know what they're doing from one day to the next, and they better figure it out really fast. Really fast. There was a reasonable argument for bringing him back. Down Goes Brown pointed this out on Twitter a little while ago. There was a reasonable argument to bring him back. There was a reasonable argument to fire him. But you should have serious questions about a billion-dollar organization that went from one to the other in four days. That's not the way you stick to a successful plan. So we sit here now in very uncertain times. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be bad or that it's a disaster. You know, as I sort of alluded to here, it would be a little hypocritical, but maybe Shanahan's decision was that I need whoever my GM is to be all in. Not questioning in the media whether he's up to it, not coming off, whatever, not taking a couple days to decide. I need you to be all in. And when he decided that he didn't think Kyle Dubas was still all in, he had to make a tough move. Well, maybe. Maybe that's what happened. It's also possible, again, to quote Down Goes Brown, maybe it's just a shit show right now. Those are on the table, right? So, like I said, it doesn't have to be the end of the world. There are other qualified people out there to do this. Um, The question just becomes how much you trust this organization to hire them. By all accounts, they were seriously considering Mark Hunter last time. That would not have gone well. Like I said earlier, Shani's history is to hire his buddies, Lamorello and, and Babcock, who want to do things pretty old school. And I'm not convinced that works anymore. So there are good options out there, but you have to trust that this team is going to hire one to be pretty comfortable right now. It's every bit as likely that they hire someone worse It's actually more likely they hire someone worse than Dubas than someone better. Because most of the guys that you would agree are for sure better than Kyle Dubas are employed right now and not really looking to move. So this gets complicated. They could grab somebody experienced with a good vision who comes in, makes some tweaks. Maybe they're major, maybe they're minor and gets this thing rolling. That's possible. It's also possible... We're going hard back in time. 
We're doing Berkey to Carlisle Boogaloo. I don't know. I don't know what they do next. And that's the, the scary part, right? Is the not knowing. Maybe they'll hire someone awesome. Maybe they will bring back JFJ and it'll be a total disaster. But as we sit here right now, we don't have any answers. The one thing for certain is that right now, this organization feels a lot closer to the gong show that it did about 9, 10, 11, 12 years ago than the stable one that has been here since 2015. So maybe that is one piece to credit Shanahan for. He's had his ups and downs, but things have settled down, right? There was a succession plan from Lamorello to Dubas. When Dubas was here, he didn't panic. He didn't make crazy decisions. He didn't blow things up out of nowhere. It all felt very stable and like you knew what to expect next. It does not feel stable now, and I have no idea what to expect next. And that is unsettling, as we've mentioned, right? So we'll see where we go from here. But uh, I don't expect to hear much of anything over the next three days for the long weekend. I don't know how quick they can sign a general manager. I can't imagine it's going to be like next week, but it kind of needs to be like next week. And then you're going to get into the questions, fair or not, as to whether that was rushed, whether it was hasty. Did you do all the due diligence you need to? Earlier today on the Jeff Merrick show, he was trying to rehabilitate the images of Stan Bowman and Joel Quenville. And whether that was his honest opinion, or even Wyshynski called out there on, uh, who works for ESPN these days. And then that's the sort of thing you hear when Sportsnet is a partner of the league. Maybe the league's office would like you to start to feel better about those names again before they get dropped back in somewhere. Maybe that's the kind of shit show we're about to do here next. So the return of the Blackhawks gong show. Wouldn't that be fun? There's going to be a lot of names out there, and uh, I don't know how quickly this gets done, but uh, the Leafs don't have much time. So I don't have much time either. It is the Friday of a long weekend. I know you don't have much time. You're you're probably getting ready to do something. You're going somewhere. You're ready to put your feet up, have a pint or two. Uh, I wish you well as you do it. Enjoy your long weekend. Thank you so much for checking this out. My name is Matt Robinson, and we'll see you all next time. What was that? Number one bullshit. Oh, number one bullshit. Why are you so pissy?